Hi everyone, welcome to the House of Learning podcast. Uh, this is Richard, uh, pastor at House of Learning. I'm Daniel, one of the other pastors. And I'm Molly and I'm on staff at House of Learning. Yeah, and we today are going to do a little one-off topical um, about suffering. Um, not because we're all depressed because the rain came back or anything like that, but we got a class coming up. Yeah. And Daniel, you're going to be doing most of Molly's doing a bit as well, but yeah, you're doing most of it. So tell us about the class. Yeah. So this class is coming about, um, we feel like there's just been a swell over the last year plus of, uh, conversations anyways, regarding suffering, regarding grief. And we wanted to have a class about the topic that isn't a, um, it isn't like a grief share group. It's not a place to process pain and suffering. Uh, so much as it a place as it's a place to look at uh, suffering and grief through a theological perspective. So that's actually going to be the first week is kind of an introduction to the topic. Mm-hmm. Um, so a little bit of a, like, what does the Bible have to say about this? Yes. Does the Bible have anything that can help? Yes. And specifically, how does my theology? Because we all have yeah. a theology, mm-hmm. um, even if it's even if we could define it or not, we have a theology mm-hmm. that we bring to the table when we go through suffering or when our friends go through suffering or loss yeah. and, and oh sorry well in our understanding of who god is and his interaction with suffering deeply impacts the way we process exactly. and heal from yeah. grief exactly and so it's being able to identify uh so part of it I'm, I'm i do have a position um that i'll be presenting but also you know people with different theological backgrounds that have equally viable and within or the realms of orthodoxy positions that are different. And as mm-hmm. anyways, I, I won't get into the whole thing now, but we'll do that week one. And then week two is going to be, um, we're bringing in a couple of, uh, practicing, uh, therapists, counselors, uh, licensed clinicians, uh, to talk about grief and suffering from a counseling perspective. Um, and I think that'll give us a lot of practical tools mm-hmm. yeah. uh, to think about this. Um, now, okay, we've got theology and then we're going to have tools. And then the final week is going to be really nuts and bolts, practical, stories things of how do we now go forward yeah, like connecting those two yeah, exactly together exactly yeah. so it should be a really great class it's starting on um the first uh tuesday in june uh, which is the fourth june 4th at 6 p.m in the school room here at the west side offices and um, you're welcome to come and the link to sign up will be in the description of the podcast yeah so you can sign up there and uh we also have posted a uh, social media post on our Facebook page with a link in the description or in, in the, yeah, in the yeah. post. So come and learn mm. and enjoy and journey with us yeah. through this. And even if you're not like, if this isn't in the midst of your story now, it's probably only a matter of time before you, your friend, your neighbor, your colleague, like being equipped on this is, it's not a optional extra that some people might need. Yeah. It's it, like, it's a, part of the core of being a human being is yeah, dealing with this stuff my uh wife and i um uh so i wrote uh, a eulogy for uh, my sons and you know for their memorial however long that was ago a couple months ago and uh, my wife after the memorial started reading walking with god through pain and suffering by tim keller mm. and the whole first part of the book she goes have you read this ago and no, i haven't read it yet i'm reading it now actually uh she goes the first part is like everything you said mm. in the in the eulogy of suffering is going to come to your doorstep. Yeah. It, it will. Yeah. And the question is, 
how prepared will you be for it when it does inevitably arrive? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's one of the promises of God that we see this in uh, John 16 in this life, you will have tribulation that's assured. And so the question is how prepared are we going to be uh, when it does come to our doorstep? And that's the purpose. This class kind of has a twofold purpose. The first purpose is equip people who are in pain and suffering now to walk through it well and equip those and simultaneously equipping those that aren't in it yet, but will be to walk through it. And the secondary purpose is to equip people that are walking alongside others who are suffering yeah. um, to help them do it well. What's helpful, what's not helpful. Yeah, because yeah. So, yeah. there can be some really uh, injuring statements offered from a good heart from those who are in mm-hmm. seasons of suffering. And so even kind of laying those out on the table of like what is helpful to say and what can actually be a little bit hurtful in that season yeah. where rawness is the state of one soul. Yeah. Yeah, when there's just a, a fragility mm-hmm. when you're in the midst of grief, right? And so, yeah, well-meaning injury is not what we want. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So what we're going to do today is um, is almost like a little bit of a teaser for the topic. Hmm. So uh, we're actually going to do something. It's probably a slightly different angle than the class. Because one of the big questions is like, why is the suffering? Why is Why does it keep cropping up? Mm-hmm. throughout the scriptures and in our lives like trying to make sense of it is trying to find a way maybe to position it in the narrative of our lives and god's story where we're like how does this fit how does this possibly fit yeah i mean the whole theodicy the problem of evil of how does how does evil exist and how does a good god exist and evil exist mm-hmm. at the same time yeah. you know a, a good all-powerful god and we're not we're not it's such a deep issue for the purpose of the class, we're not even going to go down that path. We're yep. just going to assume there is evil and suffering in the world, which is evident, and that God is good, which mm-hmm. is also evident. And so now that we agree on these realities, what do we do and yeah. how do we move from yeah. here? Mm-hmm. And there's all these other questions. Yeah. It's not that they're not important. They we're are. Just, we're going to do those some other time. Yeah. we. <laughs> That's all we're doing. We're just biting off a, a bit of this for now. Yeah. There's only so much you can do in the time that we have allotted. Yeah. And if we were, I mean, we could do a problem of evil class and have everyone read Plantinga and, you know, everything like that. But I, I think for now, for the season our church is in, I think this could be a really powerful yeah. moment. And starting with the practical, I think, is a really good mm-hmm. first step. Yeah. And uh, I think what we're doing today really excites me. Yeah. It's, this is going to get us thinking. So what we're going to do, we're going to look at the life of Samson. So we should do a little... 30,000 foot review of Samson's life because mm-hmm. I don't think we've all got it memorized. Hold on. Can I, can I, can I, can I give it a shot? <laughs> okay. There's a baby and before he was born, uh, an uh, angel came to his mom and was like, listen, he's going to be, uh, he's going to be a homie monk in the desert type guy. And so, he can't eat or or not he can't well, eat he can't eat anything <laughs> unclean can't have alcohol and he can't cut his hair cuz he's a homie uh monk from the desert also called a nazarite so uh and we've seen other nazarites throughout the bible like um john the baptist etc yeah. so uh then uh homie nazarite pops out and is super strong and he starts beating the living crap out of the philistines cuz that's what he was created to do and the Philistines were the oppressors of Israel at the time. And he does stuff like, I don't know, he's kind of like, he's like a little bit of a jerk about it. As I mean, like beating people up is already kind of yeah. a, 
he's a flawed hero. Yeah, he's deeply, <laughs> deeply flawed hero. Yeah, and he likes uh, women a lot. Yes, and poetry. Incidentally, has a little thing for it's poetry got a soft and riddles. Side. Got a soft side. He's kind of like a he's kind of like strong man, but also like a little bit of a poet. Mm. He's a bit like the dude. He's the dude, the Big Lebowski. Um, yeah. So then, but a more uh, violent kind. He goes through his career and he's kind of doing what God's asked him to do part of the way, not even all of the way, just part of the way and gets really lazy. And then 20 years in has a the just a super unhealthy relationship that doesn't, you know, there's betrayal and there's no trust and they're just using each other and it doesn't end well. And then uh, Samson lose all his strength and then kills a bunch of people. Yeah. And then his eyes get gouged out. Well, that was, yeah, that was, yeah, loses strength. Then his eyes get gouged out. Yeah. yeah. Then he kills a bunch of people and himself. Yeah. In the yeah. process. Yes. So, so let's, let's go to the end of the story. So Delilah's the woman who he has an unhealthy relationship with. Yes. And there's lots of moments of failure in the story, but there's like a cataclysmic failure that leads to catastrophe for Samson. Well, and we want to, the reason we're looking at Samson specifically is we want to use this as a case study to look at suffering explicitly and how God moves in through and around suffering. And so I think one of our questions looking at Samson, because we want to just understand just how much suffering there was there so we can talk about that. But then the question will be like, is that redeemable like mm. can, can any good be brought out of the presence of that suffering in his life for him mm. yeah and and samson's interesting because he's he brings a lot of this on himself yeah and and sometimes you know there's a attitude to the perpetrators of suffering where you're just like well you got your tough beans mm. you got your comeuppance yeah and we kind of view us view ourselves as a victim of suffering. But if you're a perpetrator, I'm not really interested. Yeah. But this is like a this is like worst case scenario. Could the suffering of someone who's even a perpetrator of their own downfall could God do something to actually bring some good mm. out of the the darkness? Yeah. yeah, and and I think too, and this was something we were chatting about before getting ready for this podcast. Because my mind is so black and white that there are either perpetrators or there are victims. But the reality that we find in Genesis three is that all of us have both in yeah. our tendencies. And so, as we're wrestling through this story, it was helpful for me to understand that yeah. Samson is a perpetrator of his own suffering in a lot of cases, but he's also a victim of the reality of evil Mm -hmm. that was established in Genesis three by way of rebellion against what God had for his people and the brokenness that came because of that. So what let's, uh, let's actually just do a little bit of thinking about Samson's suffering. Yeah. Just how dark was it? Yeah. So, so, and actually it's not just the suffering, it's the heady heights of the potential he had. Yes. So he was born for the express purpose of being the liberator of his people, for being like a hero, a champion, like a Superman God. God's like, I'm going to give you superhuman strength. Yep. And so, you know, the, there's like a personal close relationship with God to be used by God and this public mission to be like a national champion to liberate his people, like so much good stuff. Mm-hmm. But then after the fall with Delilah, he has his eyes gouged out. He's imprisoned, impoverished, and actually he's in the center 
of like Philistine territory in Gaza and his his strength although like God's superhuman strength has left him he's still a strong dude and his strength is now being used to grind corn to feed his enemies so he's he's failed at liberating God's like departed from him so he's he's lost that close relationship with God he's guilty he's brought this upon himself and so I, both his, his personal, like the low place he's got to, and that on a national level, the low place he's got to, he's got to be chewed up about. Oh, yeah. And, and, and the ultimate like irony then that he would end up using the thing that was supposed to be like used to liberate his people in the service of the people who are oppressing him and his people. Feeding mm. them. Yeah. Nourishing them. Nourishing them. Uh, there's this uh, great, quote um by eleanor stump in um the her article narrative and the problem of evil evil and uh this what i what i like about his what i like about his suffering is a horrible thing to say what's interesting to me about his suffering is that all the things that you're describing just now the fall are all fruit of something that was a that was so broken and twisted already mm-hmm. and she says uh eleanor says the great gift of strength god gave him for the liberation of his people, he is now using as a private means to keep his shabby and inadequate love life going. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. And that's before. That's then with Delilah. Yeah, that's yeah. talking about so, with Delilah. And so, and so the, and that's part of the, the the storyline of the way Samson is portrayed. Is this low point he gets to, is the culmination of a slide. That's gone on through his life. A 20-year slide. Yeah. Um, Which we see in the book of Judges is kind of like a a graph for what the book of Judges is going to look like. Just a downward spiral of of Israelite rebellion. Yeah. It's interesting, actually, because the book of Judges is this slide that ends up with, like, gang rape and murder. Mm -hmm. Like it's awful. It ends in such a dark place. And you're reading it and you're like, especially you read it the first couple of times you read it and you're just like, what is going on here? Like, (laughs) why is this in the Bible? But in the midst of like utter darkness, God's doing stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the really interesting things in Samson's story is for us to just see this is like a worst case scenario. And it doesn't answer all the questions to do with suffering. And it doesn't it doesn't make Samson's suffering any less potent it doesn't make it less painful but it breathes this little bit of redemption this little glimmer of redemption in that shows me like oh okay it's possible and that's the kind of theodicy this is like it's possible doesn't answer all the questions no but it kind of opens a door for me to be like oh okay I want to keep thinking about this Mm -hmm. well and I want to look through Samson's relationship with God in his story. Mm-hmm. So the first prayer um, that we have of Samson uh, talking to God is when he's thirsty. Um, and this is in um, Judges uh, 15, verse 18. Uh, and this is uh, right after he used a jawbone of a donkey and annihilated a bunch of Philistines, had a huge victory. Yeah, basically defeated an, an army yeah. single-handedly. Yeah. With a jawbone. With a jawbone. <laughs> Talented Weird guy. thing. Why not use a stick? No. Got to use and a jawbone. the poet, he does say, with the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey, I've struck down a thousand. Like, he's 
the poet again. But anyways. Yeah, writes his own victory song. <laughs> the arrogant poet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you should all sing this about me. <laughs> <laughs> so Judges fifteen eighteen says, And he was very thirsty, and he called upon the Lord and said, You have granted this great salvation by the hand of your servant. And shall I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? That's his prayer. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, God responds by splitting open the hollow place and water comes out of it. Here's what you don't see. You don't see him say to the Lord. You don't see him call the Lord, Lord. Yep. You don't see him say, please. You don't see him say, thank you. Yeah, there's no plea. It's it's more it's of entitlement. a demand. Yeah, exactly. This is like, he's acting like a really entitled jerk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is this is what I'm entitled Just to. Another you, word popped in my head. Not a word for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he's he, he's saying so. Yeah, you great this salvation. Now I'm going to die of thirst. Like thanks, thanks. Now I'm going to die of thirst. And God's response. And the and the question is, like, is he really going to die of thirst right then and there? Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe. I I but I doubt he's. I mean, it, I guess it could have been a three day battle, where he hasn't taken a drink in three days or something but yeah he could also just be dramatic yeah he might have a flair for the dramatic i don't know with this guy the poetry guy yeah Yeah. (laughs) well and something that becomes clear is samson really does think that there is a sense of entitlement like god's gonna do stuff because he's told me i'm the liberator of his people yeah it's his so i'm on his bill that feeling of like god's gonna do something is what enables him to pick up a jawbone of a donkey and go for it Mm -hmm. but then when faced with and it's really interesting when faced with like a bodily drive need yeah independence (laughs) right he falls apart yeah which is really interesting because part of the narrative of his undoing is his sex drive yeah in a big way so so that that's really interesting Mm. that it's it's something kind of natural Mm. to him that is part of his undoing yeah but the other interesting part about this prayer is although we might be like hey dude you should respect god a little bit like yahweh's not to be spoken to like that (laughs) and it is a really unusual way in this culture to talk to yahweh there is like a familiarity like he just feels entitled to approach god he must have prayed to god in the past so even though it's dysfunctional, there's intimacy in his relationship with God. Well, and, and just four verses before it says the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. Yeah. You know, and that's so there's there is that close relationship, although it might be uh, tainted with entitlement on yeah. Samson's part. Yeah. Well, and God gave him water. That's like, true. Yeah. yeah he like, responded. Yeah. And this are... is this is almost like an aside, but this story always me- makes me think of um, when uh, what's his name in the whale? Jonah. Jonah. So Jonah, you know, he overcomes all this stuff, goes to Nineveh, and then he's like, you know, he's, it, it's it's a it's a hot day. I am a worm. Yeah, I, I'm just gonna die. <laughs> and God, in that moment, just like meets him where he's at and says, yeah. "Dude, you are freaking out." Like, yeah. but instead of just coming to him, slapping him a couple of times, he'd be like, "Pull yourself together, man." Yeah, he's like, he just he just cares for him, <laughs> and yeah. then has a conversation with him. So, no. this is not unknown for God yeah. to it's react sick. this way. God doesn't demand like that we perfect our approach. Yeah, if if Samson is approaching, God's responding. Yes, yep. and both times in the narrative that Samson calls out to God, 
God responds both times with their very different prayers. But let's yeah. not get ahead but, well, of ourselves. That's, yeah. that's going to come later. Okay, so let's keep going with the story. So before we get to Delilah, I think there's one detail that, that speaks to his character that's really interesting, which is his marriage. Yes, that's right. the next so, bit. And I think we can just, because we're trying to do a half an hour podcast, not a four and a half hour podcast, <laughs> really quickly. He, um, he had this riddle yep. that yeah. he's told. <laughs> And it was a secret. The answer was a secret. And he was supposed to be getting married to this girl. And... Oh, who was a Philistine? Who was a Philistine. The so, enemy. Bad choice. Yep. Like, Samson, dude, Come are on you now. sure she's the one? Like, <laughs> this, like, premarital counselling, we're going to have a conversation <laughs> about this. Um, and she basically, she gives away the, the answer to the riddle to the enemy. So she totally betrays him. Yes. And he responds by flipping his lid. Yeah. And goes like on a rage machine. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! Kills everybody. Yeah. So that's that's his. And res- kills a bunch of Philistines. Yes, which yeah. is kind of. I mean, it's a weird way about going about what God was yeah. had led him to do. But like getting married to a Philistine yeah. and then being betrayed and then killing. He probably so here's wasn't this ideal. interesting blend of perpetrator and victim coming in. Yes. So he's walking into the rest of his life having made a really dumb choice about trying to marry this woman who's an enemy. And not just an enemy, but someone who wants to impress, uh, sorry, oppress and destroy God's his people. His people, right? yeah. And yet he's also, he's wounded. Like mm-hmm. he's been deeply betrayed. Like this one time he extends trust to a woman, he gets completely burned in a deep way. Yeah. And that's going to that's gonna color yeah. like future interactions and who he is and how he can relate to women. Hmm. Yeah. So it is an interesting point to make, though, as we're as we're viewing and learning about suffering in this is we're also watching how God's interacting mm-hmm. and God is using brokenness, even in the middle of brokenness, to accomplish his purposes. Mm-hmm. His I'm sure God's ideal was not for him to marry a Philistine. God's ideal was for him to protect the people of Israel and fight against the Philistines. Yeah. But he uses Samson's broken choices and says, you know, I can use even that yeah. to accomplish my ends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Now that one of the next times we see him with a woman is he goes to visit a Philistine prostitute in a Philistine city. Yes. So again, I'm seeing a pattern. Yeah. Is, this is not a choice I want to affirm. <laughs> well, and you got to wonder, I mean, a guy like him at this point in his career probably has a reputation and there's probably a reason he's going to Philistine women rather than Jewish women. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, but he, he he goes, visits this prostitute. The enemy get wind of the fact that he's there in the city and they think, great, we've got him cornered. We'll just lock the city gates and then in the morning we'll take him down. Yep. And he gets up in the middle of the night, midnight, <laughs> and decides to leave. Now, he could have waited to the morning. He could have, you know, because he's, he's got superhuman strength. Yeah. Like him being surrounded by Philistines, not a worry for him. Okay, I'll just grab, maybe there's not a jawbone. I'll grab like a bit of furniture. I can take down anyone. <laughs> yeah. But he decides to get up in the middle of the night, grabs, not just opens the city gates, which he could have done, but grabs the city gates and hauls them up to the top of a hill as like a public display of rubbing the enemy's nose in the fact that they are completely incapable of defeating him. Yeah, which again is something that God is using to keep the Philistines at bay and protecting his people Israel. But again, this is and this is where it gets tricky. I feel like so often in these conversations, people see 
the outcome. Oh, the Philistines have. So God must have caused yeah. him to go sleep with a Philistine prostitute. Right. So that and that's and that's not how this works. Yeah. He is being a jerk. Yeah. He's like Captain a, America would not do this. No. <laughs> no. He's being a complete jerk. And it's still part of what God sees playing out in the story of his people. Yeah. yeah. Overcoming evil. But that good. doesn't that doesn't mean that God chose this. This isn't God's ideal. No. And that's one of those critical things as we read the Bible. Just because we see God using something does not mean it's God's ideal. Yeah. That's like a really important lesson. Okay, let's so, keep going. So Delilah. Delilah. So another Philistine woman. Mm-hmm. Yep. Another and and uh, enemy. Samson wrote a poem for her. Hey there, Delilah, what's it like in New York? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sometimes I just want to add just a moment of fun. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sorry, we'll cut that out later. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> um, so he goes through this cycle where... Delilah asks him, hey, what's the secret of your strength? Yeah. And he responds, and this happens four times. Yep. And he, the first time he tells, he just tells a blatant lie. Yeah. So why, if you did this, you know, I'd be able to be taken down like other people. Yeah. And then Delilah betrays him, invites the Philistines to come in, try what he said, and it doesn't work, and he overpowers them. Yeah. Now, even like I'm trying to slip myself into his shoes. Yeah. Like I, I've, I've got to think like, what kind of a person do I have to be to having been betrayed to end up very next thing in the story with Delilah asking me the same question? Yes. That is a weird thing to read. Mm-hmm. But we, if we spend some time, thinking through it i think it makes sense because yeah. even his response to the first to her first betrayal is not the level of response that he had yeah. to the betrayal of his first wife mm-hmm. or his wife i suppose his yeah. only wife because first time rage monster yeah so we're expecting this time rage monster yeah but it's not no like he doesn't flip out in fact, the person frustrated is Delilah. <laughs> like, yeah. you lied to me. Yeah. Come on now, tell me the truth. And yeah, he's okay. like, oh. And how is it, how is it that the guy is always wrong? And I'm sorry. I'm not even oh, my word. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, so he's, he flips out because his wife betrays him. But at this betrayal, you can tell at the outset, it's not a healthy relationship. Right. She's yeah. asking him, what's your weakness? And he lies to her. He's he's not giving himself to her in any way. He's using her. He's trying to keep her in bed, basically. Yeah, and that's the, like that's the bottom line of the dysfunction of this relationship. Is is he really betrayed? Well, actually, he he never extends trust to Delilah. Yeah, he knows she's going to betray. He expects betrayal. That's his past. That's what he thinks these women he's chasing are like from the outset which is why he lies yeah so he when the philistines then show up to try to bind him he's not surprised yeah he's not angry he just deals with it he uses his strength to deal with a problem so he causes a problem deals with a problem and then just keeps moving on in a really dysfunctional way pursuing uh, basically he just wants sex with delilah yeah Mm -hmm. and and then there's this this is this slide of tragedy so he ends up with his strength being used to support his enemy 
but what part in part is the story of the slide into that is he he uses his strength just to serve himself Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at the beginning of the story, although it's in a dysfunctional way and although there's a lot of arrogance, he's using his strength to at least serve the mission God's called him to, to liberate his people. Here we are, and you, you read that quote earlier, right? Yeah. He's 20 years in, the mission has not been accomplished, and it's like he's just complacently got bored with it. Yeah, he's I've... using his strength to just pursue like gratification of a bodily desire yeah mm-hmm. and feeling like well i can't get this in israel and so i'm gonna go to the philistines and they can't do anything about it they can yeah. try yeah i'm but gonna do what i want i'm gonna do what i want and that's because i'm strong yeah and if there's just such a dark picture here of someone who's got a really abusive view of these women yeah like he really objectifies like total objectification no trust no relationship and yet this comes out of like deep hurt and betrayal. Mm-hmm. But that interacts with the fact that he's an arrogant ass and has just really made a rod for its own back with some of his poor choices. Yeah. So so deeply flawed character, bit of a victim of some stuff. Like I feel like mm-hmm. I want to blame him and sympathize with him at the same yeah. time. Yeah. And yep. I think when we have those two reactions, we're probably reading Samson right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and let's go to the fourth. Yeah, so jump yeah. ahead to the fourth one. And I was about to, the fourth betrayal. And Molly, would you lead us <laughs> through this? Well, yes, because I have relearned and re-understood how to, how to read this. Because from my perspective, before chatting with them, I thought, oh, I think he experiences weakness and trusts Delilah at this point. Yeah, and like cl- he breaks down. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I have been thus corrected psychologically speaking if you've been betrayed three times it would make sense that the fourth time is not a blindsided oh now she's probably trustworthy however like if you don't trust me if i keep betraying you that's not going to make you trust it's not growing my capacity for trust it's weakening it in fact which makes a lot of sense but when you read the text without any of that understanding it it may seem like samson kind of just gives in but in reality um, in reality, that's not what's taking place at all. He he is aware of the fact that she is betraying him and understands that his strength does not come from his hair, but from God. But there is arrogance in that, which yeah. is something that I, I have think to... the textual clue there um, is where uh, he says, um, and this is chapter 16, uh, verse 20. And this is after he said, you know, if you cut off my hair, my strength will leave me. Um, uh, and so he falls asleep and she shaves the seven locks off his head and then verse 20 and she said the philistines are upon you samson and he woke from his sleep and said i will go out as other times and shake myself free but he did not know that the lord had left him yeah and that's the key verse here is that he wakes up and doesn't see that his hair is gonna go oh no god's left me yeah he it's not a woe is me i'm undone moment yeah he's already been breaking his nazarite vows that were set out from the beginning. He just hadn't broken the last one. Yeah. He hadn't cut his hair yet. But it's the same arrogance and expectation that's in his heart of, well, God showed up before when I've been screwing up, and that's just how this works because yeah. I'm me and I'm strong. It's because of God. And so he goes out, even though his hair's cut, fully expecting. Yeah. And to me, that says when he's telling Delilah, that, yeah, if you cut my hair, my strength will leave me. He doesn't believe it's true. 
Yeah, he's telling us this. It's another lie. It's another lie. Trust is still not being extended. And he feels entitled to God's strength. And like you said, Daniel, like throughout the narrative, he's breaking Nazarite laws right and left. Eats honey out of a dead carcass. He's not supposed to associate with the dead. Goes to a wedding feast in Philistine. And you know there's lots of alcohol there. Strong drink there. Nice way of putting it. So he understands that the association of his strength is not in the Nazarite vow. And so as he walks out and notices his hair is gone, clearly that's not going to hold him back. He's from his perspective entitled to God's strength. God, need, it, from his perspective, he is the main character of the story, and the only way to accomplish what needs to be accomplished is through Samson, Samson yeah. himself. And we know that that's not true of him or any of us so it's, either. It's, a, it's an interesting story about arrogance, mm-hmm. like like you said. He because there's these two parts. There's the spirit of God gives me this strength, so there's the provision or the gift, but then there's the demand God makes of him live as a Nazarite and and that demand is not like yeah there's some kind of magic if your hair's long you'll be strong but the demand is like if you submit to me if you trust God then you're then this will happen this gift will be yours for the purpose of this mission yeah which I actually think is really encouraging because I've seen this play out in uh followers of Jesus lives I've talked to, you know, so many people that say, well, I've got this thing in my life. I've got this sin in my life. I've got this thing in my past. And that is keeping me from doing what God's called me to do. And the reality is there, there, there can be truth to that. And I think there's a point where we reach that. But we're all flawed. Mm-hmm. And we all have sin in our lives that yeah. we're fighting against. And God still uses us broken vessels to, to you know to pour out his spirit and to bring his kingdom here in the world but there is a tipping point and we've seen this time and time again in in church in the world we've seen this tipping point where there is a point where god says you know what that was too far and for samson it was the it was his final nazarite vow that for whatever reason even when he was breaking the other ones he just hadn't broken this one yeah and i think that's it it's like the straw that breaks the camel's back yeah all care to submit to God is gone. There's none of it left. It's all it's all been used up. Like the, he's he's empty. Yeah. You know, do you do you need to trust God? No. I don't need to express trust toward, towards God anymore. Because I, I've become so arrogant and there's this really interesting dynamic where when God's gifts are used for self serving, arrogance is one of the things that happens to people yeah um and so he's just abusing the gift that he's been yeah. given not submitting to god so he so he he doesn't lose his strength because his hair is cut he loses his strength because he stops caring about needing to depend on god yeah, yeah. and an outflow of that is his hair being cut and i'm saying and and as he's trying to deceive delilah remember he's trying to keep her around he's trying to stay in her bed yeah. And so he's adding, what's a good lie? It's one that's got a lot of truth in it. Yeah. And so he tells her something that he doesn't think is true, but is yeah. the case. Yeah. Is there is actually a sense of in- escalation still that these lies is like he's having to reach deeper mm-hmm. and deeper to, mm-hmm. to spin the web of lies to keep her around. Yeah. So so that's a part of the story as well. So, so then he ends, you know, he's overcome by the Philistines. He's surprised and shocked that God has left him. And so... 
then we see God kind of as an agent enter into the story where we're, we're looking at Samson's suffering. Like he ends up in this horrible low place, like blind, oppressed, you know, all of the things we said at the start. Um, and, you know, is he in that position because of Samson? Yes. yes. Samson clearly made some choices here. You know, it's like one of those, did Samson leave God first or did God leave Samson first? No, no, Samson initiated this. Mm -hmm. Samson broke the relationship. The response to that is he discovers God has departed, God yeah. has withdrawn. Which also points to God is an active agent in this story. Yeah. You know, because God, okay, so he cut his hair. God could have left him after he had, you know, fought off the Philistines. Yeah. God could have left him right then. Right. So we can imagine all these other ways that the story could have played out sure. where maybe God gets to like slap Samson upside the head and say, you jerk. Sure. That's it. You're not the liberator of the people anymore. But God leaves at a time that is so critical in Samson's story, yeah. his downfall. Yeah. And so, we're, so you know, is Samson ending up blind treading grain something that's because of God's choice in the story as well? Yeah, it kind of seems like... Did Samson force God's hand to leave at that moment? You know, couldn't God have just extended a bit of mercy? But those are the kind of questions, right, that we're wrestling with that are not immediately clear to us. But that's why we want to keep reading through the story, because what happens to Samson at the end helps answer the question of, you know, as we're struggling and maybe we'll not be able to ever unpack the details of like, what's the reasoning? Why this way? Yeah. We're able to look at the end of the story and see, oh, there's redemption in this way. There's some hope in this way. Like, so the, so the suffering gets a little bit, there's redemption in it. Like, yeah. good can be brought out of it. Well, and so it, it, he ends up with this last prayer. Well, and let's read the story a little bit before we get to the last prayer. So Yeah, do a little summary. Yeah, so the Philistines seize him, gouge out his eyes, bring him down to Gaza, shackle him put him grinding flour in the mill um, and he's been there for a long time long enough for um, his hair to start growing back right mm -hmm. then this is uh six, judges sixteen twenty three. the lords of the philistines gathered to offer a great sacrifice to dagon their god and rejoice and they said our god has given samson our enemy into his hand and into our hand and then they bring samson in and he's in chains and he's made to stand between them in the pillars kind of in a visible spot uh and remember the people that are here that are gathered here are the lords of the philistines these are the people that have been hanging back have been sending troops after samson right. haven't been putting themselves in their harm's way they're at a victorious place now and then samson comes to this moment where he's standing between the pillars and in verse 28 he utters this prayer to the Lord. Then Samson called the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once, O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. And the result is? God gives him strength mm -hmm. and he knocks down the whole place by pushing the pillars aside. Yeah. And it says... Uh, uh, in verse 30, so the dead whom he killed in his death were more than those that he had killed during his life. Yeah. But it's interesting in the midst of this prayer, right, that he doesn't ask 
to to come out of this alive. Yeah. Or for salvation. Yeah. So there's a really like this is such a like there's something good in this prayer and something really flawed. So we'll start with the flawed. Like he does accomplish his mission. Yes. That the Philistines are defeated because his family are able to like enter Philistine, enter Gaza and retrieve the body to, to bury it afterwards. So like his mission gets accomplished, but there's this tragic, he dies. Mm-hmm. And well, not only does he die, he actually asks. Let me die, to die. with the Philistines. Let me die because he, his self-identity is so wrapped up in being the strong, capable guy, mm. which that he, he doesn't want to live this way. He just wants out. Mm. Well, and even in this prayer, though, it shows that he's still a flawed hero. Yeah. Because he's not praying, Lord, give me strength and I'll die to accomplish your mission. Yeah. The purpose is to take vengeance for my eyes. They gouged out my eyes. And so I want want payback. Yeah. Yeah. And God, again, meets him there in his brokenness. But then there's there's some startling new stuff in his life in this prayer. Yeah. So we I think we mentioned like a few things that were lacking in the earlier prayers. One was please. Yep. <laughs> One was like an invocation of God, like, you know, Lord of the universe, Yahweh, or some Saying kind of reverence. Showing yeah. respect, some reverence. And then some kind of plea. Mm-hmm. Like all of that was missing. This is a prayer that's devoid of entitlement. Like there's two invocations. There's a, a plea. There's two pleases. Like all of the respect and submission and calling out and trust. Like this is someone who knows they need God. Yeah. Like it just just displayed in a way like there is an auth. Even though it's broken, there's an authenticity right. to this that's been lacking before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He actually, it's interesting. He uses. He says, Adonai, Yahweh, and Elohim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's trying every which yeah. way he can to reach out to God. Yeah. Yeah. Y- using every, every name, name and word that yeah. he has yeah. for God. Um, and and it's great. God meets him again and, yeah. and accomplishes his end in the middle of deep brokenness and loss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he killed more in that moment than he did when he was alive. Like there was an effectiveness that was absent almost in, in his previous victories yeah, that, that like, is present Even here. though it's flawed, this little bit of true submission accomplished more. Right. Even though it was a broken version of more, right. it accomplished more than the arrogant versions that went before it. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, then, then we're like trying to process, is this end of the story defeat or victory? For Samson, yeah. So, in terms of what he wanted personally in his his kind of more proud, you know, I want to stick it to the Philistines. I want to get them back. He did get to. So, on a personal level, like he did get that. But there's these. That's like a surface level. There's some stuff that like might be more important to Samson's story, because for him to to have finished his life with God departed from him. I and mean, these that's a phrase you see in the scriptures that's like, it's as dark as the prospects for a human life can get. Yeah. God departed is like, yeah. Yeah. 
that's it. Like you just sealed your eternity, buddy. Yeah, like, that's it. And and there's even like a there's an echo of hell in Delilah to be like to be in a space where Delilah is to to have all the desire to pursue intimacy but and to the, be incapable of doing it yeah and the rejection of yeah. god to, to have like a relationship right in front of you but no trust to be with but yet be utterly lonely like that's that's like what hell's like yeah you know it's it's like god's still the king of the universe yeah you just you don't get to join in and and because of lack of trust mm. And so there's like a microcosm of the eternal story in the Delilah story. Mm. And Samson was faced with that. Like he was at a point where God had departed and that was it. Like his arrogance had self-destructed himself. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, in the context of brokenness and enemies around him as well. But like it was as dark as it could get. And then he gets to a point of like, victory over the enemies he accomplishes the mission in a personal sense of vindication he gets it and there's restoration he repents and turns to god and god comes back to him yeah so it like there's this like surely although it's a tragic sort of victory surely this isn't a defeat yeah well and bringing it back to our conversation of suffering and brokenness and loss and grief uh, it, there's this great quote by Stump from that same article where she says, um, I've argued that it's possible for a broken person to flower in that very brokenness and to fulfill the promise of life one way or another. Yeah. And it's so, so often in suffering, what we're experiencing is loss and defeat and hopelessness that nothing good can ever either happen again or will happen again mm -hmm. or can, or even if something good does happen it can't compare to the loss of suffering mm -hmm. and brokenness yeah. and the story of samson shows that it's even in the middle of brokenness and loss and suffering that a person who's um so totally shattered can still bloom and blossom mm -hmm. and be used for good for god's mission in the earth yeah. even when it seems like all hope is yeah. lost yeah yeah and samson's really thought provoking because it's not just that suffering is part of the story suffering is the thing that moves us from god has departed to repentance and god returns yeah suffering is the reason he repents you know so that's really thought provoking now that doesn't mean that the evil he suffered at the hands of the philistines is suddenly not evil but good yeah, or no, that no. it's suddenly it was God's will all along. Yeah, it's evil. It's a horrific, horrible, like dehumanizing thing that's happening to him. Yep. But in the midst of that moment, God is able to bring about good. Yeah. And so that's that's probably where we'll finish today because mm. we're we're way out of time. <laughs> so some of you who listen to this on the way home have been like driving around the block for ten yeah. minutes. <laughs> like, I gotta finish. Gotta finish. Yeah. It's okay. We're done. Well, and come to the class. Yeah, come to the class. Yeah. More discussion. Yeah. More examples from scripture and life. And yeah. Yeah. Check out the notes and see if you can make it. Cool. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. yeah. Thank God you. Bless.